Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. I want to jump right into this this morning in Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, an offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged why will you still be struck down why will you continue to rebel the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds they are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate, overthrown by foreigners. Even though the prophet Isaiah is giving a vision here um, towards the wickedness of Judah, I could have easily told you that that scripture was about the United States, and most of you would have believed it immediately because it exactly points to what's going on in America. All right, y'all smile at me. Let me see some teeth. All right. Looks good. It's most of you. <laughs> I want to talk this morning about uh, really two different topics. Uh, I think this will be taken in uh, multiple different ways, but um, I, I put a title up this week, and it's it's called Under Fire. Um, how many of you know and understand right now that the body of Christ is under heavy fire? That we are at a place in history where on if, any given week, any given Sunday, any given Monday, any given day of the week, things could change dramatically in America uh, before the next Sunday morning. We are at that place where many of you, many people that may hear this message are still thinking that we have a tremendous amount of time left. But I would tell you today that you're only lying to yourself. You're only trying to put a mask of comfort on that says we have more time to sin We have more time to play games. We have more time to get right with God. But what you have failed to remember is everything prophetic that needs to happen for Jesus to come back has already occurred. I really get frustrated when I hear so-called theologians say, Well, this and this still has to happen in order for Jesus to come back. 
That's not the case. Everything has been accomplished that needs to be accomplished biblically for Jesus to show up for his church right now, this very second, before this message ends. And I would ask you today, if this message were to end right now, where are you going to be five seconds from now? Where will you be five seconds from now? You should be, those of you that are Christians should walk around daily being heartbroken for this city. You should be heartbroken for where the churches are in this city. You should be heartbroken for where many pastors are in this city, in this state, in this nation. Would you believe me if I told you today that there are many evangelists and many pastors and many missionaries that don't even have a real relationship with Jesus? Would you believe me today that many people in your family that call themselves Christians are not ready for the rapture and they're certainly not ready for their heart to stop? Would you believe me today if I told you that we have got but a few spiritual minutes left on the clock before things begin to drastically change on this planet and in heaven? There's an example years back in Yosemite National Park Every year, they would take all the fallen trees uh, through over all these acres of park, and they would, for months, they would get all of these fallen trees and clear them out, and they would take these fallen trees and they would place them in a, a very large pile on the top of this granite mountain. And every year, people would come out, and they would stand there, and they would say these words. They would yell out, let the fire fall. And there would be this massive, massive millions, tons, all pounds of wood and kerosene and gas that is all meshed together and tied together. And these people would say, let the fire fall. And they would light these trees on fire and they would push them over with bulldozers. And, the, and it was a cascade of fire coming down the mountain, better than any fireworks display. And there was this guy, this pastor, that watched this, and he was in awe of this, this cascading waterfall fire in Yosemite. And so he came back the same time two years later. And he asked around. There was nobody gathered. There was no information about the firefall. There was nothing going on. And he said, where is the firefall? What, what date is that taking place? I'm on a three-week vacation, and I want to I be there, and I want to see it. I don't want to miss a moment of the firefall. And he asked a park ranger, and the park ranger says, oh, we don't do that anymore. And I believe that's the same things that churches are doing right this very morning all over America where at once the Holy Spirit was working with fire and with power and now the pastor and the people and the praise team are standing around saying, oh, we don't want to do that anymore. That's too fiery. That's too powerful. 
That's too much. We, we want the Holy Spirit, but we don't want the Holy Spirit setting a fire in our church. We want things to be the way we want them to be. We want the people to act the way we want them to act. We want to put boundaries on God so we look good to the public. Well, that's not the church that we are. Amen? The church that we are is a church that is aching and searching and knocking on the door of God's house saying, God, bring the firefall. Somebody needs to get excited today that Jesus is coming back. I don't want you to clap just to clap. I want you to clap right now for God that he would come back. Dang it, I'm angry. I'm angry because we are, we are at a place where some of you and me and my life and many others just don't get it. You came in today expecting something from God that he's not willing to provide for you because your expectation is amiss. Your expectation, as I've said so many weeks in a row, is that you rub the genie in the bottle and he pops out and you are just granted the wishes that you asked for in your so-called American gospel prayer time. I'm angry today because I'm seeing so many people in this very area being taken out by the enemy and they're so deaf and they're so blind. And they're so tasteless of the fragrance of the Holy One. They walk away and they start doing the same things that they gave up many years ago. You should be angry too. You should be really peeved today because you're being complacent in your own life with your own family. Your family is on their way to hell and you resign yourself not to say anything so you don't offend them. How sad. As you can see, my motivation is not to make friends today. You're all like, ooh, thanks for the joke. We needed to lighten up. In Matthew chapter 25, I won't read the whole story, but we have a story about these virgins. We have a story about a midnight cry being heard. We have a story about people having oil in their lampstands, being prepared to meet their Savior, their God, prepared to be ready for his appearance. And in Matthew 25, let me just read verses 6 through 8 in the New King James to you. And at midnight a cry was heard, and behold, the bridegroom is coming. So go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. In the original 
tongue there in the original translation, the actual correct translation is our flame is dying out. How many people do you know and how many churches do you know and how many churches that you've attended in your lifetime where the flame of that lamp has gone dimmer and dimmer and dimmer? And you have prayed and you have pleaded and you have fasted and you have done all you can do. And for some of those churches and some of those people, the flame has gone out completely. I am asking you today and pleading with you today. You don't have to like me. You don't have to call me. We don't have to be buddies. But the message you need to receive today is make sure you've got oil in your lamp. He is coming back. And he is coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back for gospers and slanders and dividers in the church. He's coming back for people that have a repentive heart. He's coming back for people that want the fire of God. How many of you know we need the fire of God in this church? I need more of the fire of God. I cannot maintain the way I am. I need the fire of God. You need the fire of God or what's going to happen? You're going to fizzle out just like I will. We need to get ready. We need to get serious. God doesn't need our hand claps and our amens and our hallelujahs. He needs us to be obedient. If you're still an alcoholic, give it to God. If you're still popping pills, give it to God. If you're still addicted to pornography, give it to God. Man, y'all are making me upset this morning. We need a firefall. Oh, well, we don't do that anymore. Man, I tell you what, in the 80s, you know, I was, an, I was an 80s kid. I didn't get saved until the 90s. But I remember even in the 90s, there were some, ch I would go attend churches by myself at 15 and 16 just because I wanted more of the Lord. I didn't want to keep doing, I didn't want to end up in jail and prison like my brothers. And so I would, I would hop in my big Pontiac Parisian, my friends called it the Roach, and I would, draw, I would try to find any church that I can that I, I felt was, was in the middle of a move of God. And I found some great churches that were. And any given Sunday night or Wednesday night that I went, you never knew what was going to happen in a Pentecostal church. Some 90-year-old woman could be sprinting around the building. Mary Lou, you stay right there unless it's the Lord. I know what you're about to do. I see you. You got that fire. But you didn't know what was happening. Nobody was complaining about not having children's church because the kids were in here. Either they were sleeping under the pew or they were running around or they were up at the front jumping up and down and having a good time for Jesus. And now us adults sit around and we complain when the kids are too loud. How sad. Oh, well, the church isn't clean. You, pastor, did you see all those people? They just left behind. Well, I tell you what. 
I don't care if you leave behind coffee cups. I don't care if your kids draw on the tithe envelopes. What I care about is you and your kids are here. That's what I care about. That's what God cares about. We'll clean the chairs. We'll clean the carpet. Who cares? Oh, but pastor. But hold on, pastor. This must be a holy place. If this place is unholy, it's because of unholy people. If this place is holy, it's because we've got consecrated people that say, I am going to light a fire for God today in his name. And I don't care what mama thinks or daddy thinks or neighbor thinks or church member think or board member think. I am going to do what God has called me to do. Period. I'm going to get happy in just a second. Hold on. Matthew chapter 3.11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am unworthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. You don't want the fire of God? You're in the wrong church. What? What a rude thing to say. Well, it's true. We're moving deeper into God. We're moving away from the wilderness and closer to the Jordan River. We're moving closer to the promised land. We're moving closer to what God has us do in these last days. We don't have time to sit around and play Assembly of God Church on Sunday morning. What we do need to make time doing is Making ourselves a church when we are at home, when you are in your car, when you are at the doctor's office, when you are at work. Well, I may get fired and I may lose money. Can I tell you right now? And this is the absolute truth of what's going on. There are people sitting in here this morning that in November, in November, there is a high probability. If the Lord does not intervene for whatever reason, that's between God and God, right? But in November, there's people represented in this church that will be terminated from their job because they refused to give up their freedom. Now listen, where you stand on the vaccine is between you and the Lord. I have nothing to do with that, but I'm gonna tell you one thing. You start giving up your freedom... You start giving up your freedom right now in America, you give up a little bit and the enemy will take it. You give up an inch to the enemy and he will take a mile. You give up a mile to the enemy, he will take your life. Period. It's not about the vaccine, it's about you giving yourself up to a false idol. We don't worship America. We don't worship the Second Amendment. We don't even worship the First Amendment. We don't worship any of that. We certainly don't worship a president. But we do worship a king, and I'm not talking about Elvis. We worship Jesus, amen? Elvis ain't the king. I think he got saved before he died, but, but Dave, you'll see him probably first because you got the musician stuff with him, right? You got that in common. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a holy, devouring fire. 
Somebody said the other day, Pastor, the closer I get to God, the more things in my life become difficult. I said, well, join the family. You must have done something. You must have prayed correctly the prayer of salvation because if you're saved, you're going to get attacked. And if you're doing things for God and you're winning people to the Lord and you're telling people about Jesus, you're going to be a high-value target and you're going to get attacked. And what you need to do is stop worrying about getting attacked and just say, devil, bring on the attacks because you're a loser. You're going to hell. I'm going to heaven. And nothing is going to stop me from telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on. Let's take a praise break. Give him a hand. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I'm, I'm, I'm almost about to get happy. Hold on. Luke 12, 49 says, I come to bring fire to the earth. Jesus. And I know it, it was, and I know I wish it were already kindled. How many of you know that we have to kindle the fire of God? What do, a, what do a bunch of men do? And we got, we got one of these men's uh, prayer nights and uh, open fire pits planned here in a couple of months, a month and a half or so. But what do men do when they get around a fire? Let, let me just give you an example. They, they stare at the fire. Okay, what else do you need to know? <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. No, they stare at the fire. We all get around. We stare at the fire. Whoa, that's a nice fire, right? And then a real deep conversation will begin to, to unfold. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. How's your family? Good. That's sure a nice fire. Will you get me a hot dog? Am I wrong, man? Women are like, yeah, yeah. When the Lord says kindle, he means keep that fire going. Keep that oxygen moving in that fire. Keep that wood moving. Let it set. Let it, let it get moving to its, the fastest pace and the highest degree it can get. This is why they, they put all the, the kerosene and they soaked those trees for months as they piled them up. They would pile it up to a level and they would soak it with kerosene. And they'd pile up another level and they would soak it with kerosene so that when the people shouted, let the fire fall, it wasn't. A disappointment. How many of you know that we are disappointed in church when men try to keep a fire going on their own? But we're not disappointed when we have a great expectation that it is the Holy Ghost fire that sustains us and builds us. What we got to do our part, but guess what? When you start doing your part, God will come in and he will build that fire bigger than you can imagine. Let me tell you real quickly. I'm sure you guys know this. But the source of light, we say, when we pray, many of us say fire of God or we say the light of God. All light has 
a source. Something must create light. In the case of the Lord's light, he is the source of an all-consuming fire. So in Aramaic, the word fire is translated as consuming light. So you guys know that we don't have light out today because of electricity. We don't have light outside today, even though it's cloudy and even though it's a little rainy and drizzly and everything else a little cold. We don't have you, you. We didn't have to turn on the parking lights today for you to see when you park because it's daytime. And during the day, we know that we experience on this side of the earth a light source, which is the sun. Now. Most of us don't go around looking at the sun daily and, oh, is the sun on today? Right? You automatically know the sun is on, that the source is working because the sun came up. You have light outside. You're getting in your car at a certain time in the morning, and you're moving from darkness into light. But Christians are funny about this. They expect the pastor to turn the light on. They expect the praise deem to turn the light on inside of them. They expect that somebody praying for them is just going to automatically turn the light on inside of them. How many of you understand and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have got to do the work yourself in Christ? God's not going to make you. He's not going to push you to do things all the time. There are times when he will push you, but many of the times God will just say, hey, I, I have an expectation that you get in the word, that you pray, that you fast, that you stop putting things, including your job and your kids' sports and everything else before the house of God. I know I just made some enemies just then, but go ahead and receive it as a word for the Lord. Nothing, and by the way, your kids are not going to be professional athletes. Let me just tell you that. Let's just get that out right now. I don't even want to say the percentage. First of all, I don't remember it. And secondly, it's a terrible percentage if you're banking on your kids going into the NBA, going into the NFL, Look at your neighbor and say, give me a break. Oh, man. If somebody in here was going to be a professional athlete, it would have been me. Oh, now you laugh. Okay. Y'all have never seen me play ping pong. <laughs> Judgmental church folk. So we know that there's a difference between lights we know that God is an all-consuming fire, an all-consuming light. We have got to allow him to do what he does best. Charles Spurgeon says this about preachers. Put fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. How many of you know we don't need passivity in the church right now? We need aggressiveness. We need to be powerful in God, not out of our own will and out of our sure our flesh. We got to be powerful in Jesus. He is the one that promotes us and says, "Through me you can do anything. You can ask anything and I will make it happen." Oh, man, God has been 
he, God has been so good in, in my family. The, the things that he has done over the years, it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. Everything from the things that have occurred with my children to the things that have occurred in ministry to the things that have occur, occurred with, with you know, three big moves that we've made in a short amount of time. God has been our consuming fire. And what I'm asking you guys today is don't, here's where we've been making our biggest mistake. Even in the title of this sermon, maybe the title is wrong. Because the title of the sermon is Under Fire. I believe as Christians, we have put so much emphasis on being attacked and being under fire. We have put so much emphasis on what significant, what we would say are, are big names in the media and running our country. We have put so much stuff and so much attention into these things, into being under fire, that we have forgotten that we should be consumed by the Holy Ghost fire. Our attention should be on what God is doing, not what the world is doing. At the, I, I got this, now I, I let uh, one person use my, uh, um, my iPad this week. And it came across this morning when I was in my office how many hours of screen time for the week. And I was like, holy smoke. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. That was, I had one of my children was using this iPad. And I was thinking, man, the amount of time spent on going through Facebook, going through Instagram, Going through this, that, or the other, Google, whatever. It was like six or seven hours or so. And I was just thinking, man, God, what if we put that much time into you? What if we put that much time into putting you first? What would happen to your business if you began to honor God? Let me throw something at somebody today. I don't know who it's for. I'm just going to say it since I'm on a roll of offending people today. What would happen if you said, God, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to close my business on Sundays from here on out? I already know what's going to happen. God's going to bless you with more financial support than you've ever seen in your small business. <clears throat> Anyways, take that for how you want it. Praise team, will you come on up? I want to say a few more things, and then I will tie up the horse. 1 Timothy 1.6 says this, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of many hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God wants us to rekindle that flame. Proverbs 26.20 says to put wood on the fire. Put wood. How, do we, how do we stir up the gift of God on the inside of us? Well, I've said it multiple times this morning. I say it every week. 
If you're not reading the word of God, you're not getting closer to God. If you're not reading your Bible and spending time in prayer, it's very difficult to understand and hear the voice of God. You're going to hear every single voice in your life before you hear the voice of God and then realize months later or years later or at the end of your life, man, I really missed God. Raise your hand in here if you're just tired of missing God. I'll go first. Missing God. How do we miss God? We stop spending time with Him. So I've said this before. I'll, I'll say it one more time for those that have not seen this. You see where Pastor Jeff is sitting over there. You see where I'm standing. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be God for a second. Have sitting way in the very back. Pastor Jeff is here. My son Hayden is right over there. Joanne, you're here, right? We got people scattered in different places, different distances from me. If I'm God, and we're basing it on distance, we could easily say, man... And I believe this. I believe this about salvation. I believe this about God. That where Bev is sitting, in proximity of me, proximity of God, she's hearing the voice of God more clear because she's closer to him. And maybe where Hayden is sitting a little further back, he's, he's, he still loves God. He's still saved. He's not unsaved. He still believes. He hasn't walked away from God. He hasn't ran from God. But, but Hayden, his life is a little bit further away from God than where Bev is. And Cav back there, oh man. Praise God, he still loves the Lord. But if we're basing it in eternity and proximity with with. In, a, in, a, in our linear minds, we're thinking, oh man, Cav still loves Jesus, but maybe Cav is just not as close to God as maybe where Bev is or Cheryl is. They're closer. You guys understand what I'm saying? Just because somebody in your family is struggling does not mean that they're a non-believer. Maybe their proximity is just off. I've got three kids the closest kid to Jesus is Cooper. You know why that is? Because Cooper doesn't know what sin is yet. Cooper doesn't have the rationale in his mind. It's in his DNA, but he doesn't understand yet. He only understands what something is if we discipline him, if it's, if it's a negative or a positive thing. If it's positive, we encourage him. Isn't it amazing when a little kid does sinful things? Oh, that's so cute. Oh. But then about five or six years later, that ain't cute. Stop. And then when they get to be teenagers, <clears throat> and they, they're doing some stupid stuff, or, ooh, that's, that's ugly. Uh-uh. Right? So it's hard for us to understand the ways of God in many areas of our life and the lives of others. But I want you guys to know today that proximity is important with being set on fire. The closer you are to people that are on fire for God, the more you're going to be in tune and be set on fire for God as well. 
the further away from you are, you are from believers, if you're a loner or you're an island and you make a practice of being alone and struggling on your own and praying alone and not being uh, in an assembly like this, then you're going to have some struggles in your life. But guess what? When you're around people, you're going to have struggles too. You're going to be like, Pastor Court said I should get closer to people. Well, I have to add in there, you've got to get closer to the right people. The people that are following hard after God is who we need to be around. I want to read this final scripture to you before uh, we worship a bit more. I want to give this real quick example. There's an area in California um, with acre upon acre of, of redwoods. And with the new invention of technology that, that firemen have with drones and the tracking of fires, the redwoods in California are always the priority because they're such a precious tree. <clears throat> but what's happened recently is because of technology in, in the old days, if there was a forest fire, they didn't have the technology to catch it quick enough and put out the fire quickly. So many trees would, would burn down, right? But because of technology now, they, if, a, if a fire starts and it comes up on a tracker in that, in that acreage or that half acre or that quarter acre, and it, it signals the, the main office and immediately they deploy people to go out and try to make sure and stop, it, with the help of technology, stop those redwoods from burning down. Well, what they have found out is now years have gone by of having good technology. And what's happened is the fires that were supposed to keep going were stopped by people. In the past, they didn't have any issue with seeing new redwood trees growing up out of the ashes. But what happened is technology and people intervened in the way God does things. You guys hearing me this morning? I know you're ready for lunch. Just hold on a second, okay? When people intervene on the Holy Spirit fire, the next generation suffers. This is why we have so many kids and youth that have absolutely no interest in church. Because us adults, we stop the fire of God. And without the fire of God to burn away the things that are not supposed to be there, there's no new generation of trees of people coming up out of the ashes. We need Destiny House. God needs Destiny House proned in an attitude of worship to expect the fire of God to fall. We need desperately the fire of God to fall in East Liverpool. But for that to happen, we got to get serious. We've got to get serious about prayer. You've got to get serious about your prayer closet at home. We can't put off anymore. What God is calling us to do today. Stand with me. I'm going to read this to you. 
In Song of Songs, chapter 8, it says this. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. The living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death in the grave. All-consuming is the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. The part of this and the purpose of this message today is for me to pour a little bit of kerosene on you to get ready for the firefall of God to come. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We know the best part. We know about the best part that's going to happen. We know that some amazing things that Jesus is going to do and accomplish. We know that for much of that, we're going to be with him. As he's on that horse, we're going to be with him. It's an amazing thing that's going to happen during the second coming of Christ. We will be with him. Read your Bible. The second coming is not the rapture. (laughs) All right? I want us to pray. This is the part of Hebrews chapter 10 that we, we we try to be, and that's to spur each other on. Jesus, I ask right now that you would do just that. That you would take many of us today that have been docile. That they haven't left you. They love you. They care about you. You're still their savior. They haven't run away. But maybe there's just something in their life they've just become too comfortable. They've been comfortable with many things. This includes myself, God. We get in such a comfort zone, we forget the urgency of your kingdom. But God, I pray that you would strike that match in us this morning, right now, God. If it's not already lit, God, for those that have just been living on embers, God, today is the day to blow some oxygen in there. Today is the day to stir that wood. Today is the day, God, that they would get on fire for you. God, I pray for everybody in here. God, if they do not have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, rest assured they will spend eternity in hell. But Father, if they would repent today, if they would call on your precious name, accept you as Savior, they would be forgiven and their name would be written in the Lamb's book of life. Is there anybody here today with every head bowed and every eye closed? Are you that person today that would say, you know what, I'm not even secure in my salvation right now. I'm not even sure if I'm ready for the rapture, for Christ to come back. I'm not even sure that if my heart stopped beating right now that I would be in his presence. 
after my death. If that's you, it's time for you to get right right now. It's time for you to get right with God. You can't have the fire of the Holy Spirit unless we first go through the person of Jesus. I want us to pray this prayer together for those of you that would have it, would testify in your heart right now that you're not ready. Is this not, is there a better time to get ready than right now? That's what God has in store for you right now is your salvation. There's nothing more important that we can talk about in this building than the blood of the lamb and receiving him today. Will you pray this prayer with me and mean it with all that you are? My Jesus, I accept you right now as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and set me free. I worship you. You died for me and now I will live for you. Forgive me of all my sins and give me freedom right now in your holy name. We praise you, God, for all those today, God, that just prayed that prayer for the first time. The Bible says the angels rejoice over you and celebrate over you right now. It's the greatest miracle on the planet is when somebody says yes to Jesus and turns from their wicked ways. Is everything going to be perfect and all right tomorrow? Absolutely not. But right now and forevermore, you've got a Savior that you can lean on. How do you lean on Him? You get in His Word and you start reading. You start learning about Him. You start getting to know Him. And as you read the Bible, you stop. You don't always be on this, let's read the Bible in a year. Let's read the Bible. You stop. And if that means you only read one scripture in that entire week, when God stops you, you stop and you listen and you let him speak to you about that very one scripture. Don't rush God because God is not going to rush you. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will convict you. And the, the meaning of conviction is simply now that you're a Christian, when you do something that is sin, when you do something that contradicts your new nature in Christ, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is going to say, no, you don't need to be doing that anymore. For some of you today, one of the things that you need to resurrect in your life is conviction. If you're not convicted about the sin in your life, something's seriously wrong there. You need to pray right now, God, set that fire inside of me. I want to be convicted of everything in my life that is not pleasing to you. Every sin, whether I think of them as little or big sins, God, to you it is a sin. And it's a separation of your purpose and your plan and my life. God, forgive me of that sin. Convict me once again. In Jesus' name, let us sing uh, one more song or two and then you guys can be released today. We love you. God, I pray that you'd bless everyone in here today, God.
They are blessed coming in and blessed going out, Father. Everywhere that their feet go, you will bless them, God, with good health, good measure. 30, 60, 100 fold, God, is what we are believing for this congregation. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said,